This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott. Hey there, welcome to today's Positive Parenting Show. I'm Armin Brott. As parents, we spend an awful lot of time thinking about what we should be doing in a variety of situations. But what do we actually say when we're in those situations? What do you say when your child is bold-faced lying to you and blaming something on somebody who doesn't exist, an imaginary friend or somebody who isn't even in the room at the time? And what do you say when they ask you about where babies come from? And what do you say when they ask you about death? What if they ask you questions that really make you feel uncomfortable or ignorant about race? And what do you say to a child you love more than anything in the world who says, I'm not good at anything? Or how come I'm not like the cool kids? And what do you do if your child's being bullied at school or if your child is the bully at school? In this part of today's show, we're going to be talking with a writer, a blogger, and a very funny guy, that's all one person, by the way, about what to say in those and a lot of other situations, and also why so many of the parenting phrases you hear at the playground or the museum or any place else you go actually encourage your child to misbehave. From life to death to everything in between, he's going to show us how we can connect with our kids and address even the toughest parenting dilemmas with love and perhaps most of all, with humor. So grab a pencil because you're not going to want to miss any of this. I'm Armin Brott. We'll jump right into our discussion about what to say to the kids right after this. More with Mr. Dad, Armin Brott, after this, from the MrDad.com radio network. My name is Dale Pazinski. I'm 19 years old, and this is how I live United. I've always been kind of a computer geek, and I found a way to use those skills to help the homeless in my community. For people facing hard times, computer skills and a basic resume are so important. It may seem like a small thing, but it makes a huge difference in people's lives. So with United Way, I created a program where I work with the homeless. Together, we go through their whole job history, write a resume, and then save it on their very own USB drive. We provide workbooks and training certificates. I even budgeted for cupcakes so we can celebrate as a class when one of our people gets a job. That's huge. When somebody says, hey man, that job that you helped me apply for, I got it. That's what living united feels like to me. My name is Dale Pazinski. I help people achieve financial independence. So I don't just wear the shirt, I live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott. Now my guest for this part of today's show is Whit Honey, who's the author of The Parents' Phrase Book. Hundreds of easy, useful phrases, scripts, and techniques for every situation. Whit, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. That's a, a rather broad topic and, and yeah. a, a rather rather large claim for every situation. I like to keep my options open. <laughs> That's right. Yes, so at least there's going to be something in here for everybody. So, you know, there's, you're a, a very funny guy, and anybody who's read your, your blog, which is Honey Express, H-O-N-E-A, has come to terms a little bit with your sense of humor. I mean, how do you straddle the line between just going straight humor and having lots of really solid advice? My, my publisher had more to do that with, with that than, than I did. They actually reined me in quite a bit at the beginning. They thought that I was being a little too funny. And my theory is that parenting 
more or less, is, is a fun experience, and it, it should be fun, and life is short, and you should have a good time and enjoy the moment. Obviously, there are many instances where you need to be a bit more practical and, and uh, stoic or sober or whatever the occasion calls for. But for the most part, I think that having a sense of humor in any situation goes a very long way. And, and I think that that translates in, into the way that uh, I, I write and the way that I talk about my children and the interactions that I have with my family. No, that's great. Keeping a sense of humor is really, I think, one of the best things you can do. And it certainly can diffuse a, a tense situation or something that looks like it's heading towards a, a horrible conclusion can be turned and with, with a little bit of humor or a joke of some kind can can really make it better. Right. Right. Yeah. And dealing with uh, with kids, or, you know, kids are people, too, as the old show uh, claimed. You know, if you have a child in a situation where it may be very difficult for them to communicate with you, and maybe they are embarrassed or they're afraid or whatever, any number of emotions that they may have is going to keep them from opening up. And relating to them on a, on a, a level of humor, I think, makes it so much easier. And, and most of the time, that conversation will then happen the way that you want it to happen or, or you were hoping it would happen because you loosen up a little bit and and uh, put them at ease. You know, one of the places where they have some difficulty communicating sometimes, or, or they wouldn't say it's difficulty, they would blame it on somebody else, is, is that exact idea, blaming it on somebody else. Oh, it wasn't me. Somebody else did that. Or right. he hit me first. How do you begin to talk to a child when you come walking in the room and there's your 200-year-old Ming vase on the floor in pieces and there's only one child there who says it wasn't me. <laughs> I, I immediately think of the family circus cartoons, right, with the not-me ghost oh, yeah. hovering in the corner over the broken uh, vase, as you said. Uh, I think that you kind of have to let them realize how the situation looks from your viewpoint. Because if you walk into a room and, as you said, there's just one person there and there's something that has happened, it's pretty clear that they are responsible. And, and you know, once they weave their tale of uh, space aliens and the dog you don't have, you know, maybe let them go through that, and then you can kind of repeat it back to them and, and, and say, so this is what happened, let me get this straight. And they can see how silly it is. And then that's kind of where humor might come in. I mean, obviously, there may be repercussions and the child may be reprimanded for the behavior and also for the added behavior of, is, is it a lie, is it a fib? I don't know what you would call that situation. But uh, have, having them kind of step up, and that, that's something I always want to do with my own kids, is make sure they realize that right or wrong, it's better that they're honest about something and they own up to something than to try to deny it. I mean, I mean, Vaz, those are a dime a dozen, right? <laughs> I've got four or five of them in, in pieces, but yeah. You know, you, you touch on this right. a little bit, that, you know, do you think that somebody, whoever it is, should be punished for something? I was wondering if you, what you think of the idea of saying to a child, just you're playing along with this thing about, you know, do you think that somebody should be punished for that? Or what do you think would be an appropriate way to deal with the dog who comes in here and, and breaks this, or your friend who was here but climbed out the window just seconds before I got here? Right. Do you think that that person should have some sort of consequences, and what would those be? Well, I, I guess it depends on on what it was and what it means to you, and and how it happened. If it was an honest accident, once you get to the truth, but as you said, to let them play it out, 
And a lot of it has to do with your own state of mind at that point. I mean, that may have been something that was very important to you, and you may not be in the mood to turn it into a learning moment. And maybe that was the last straw. And so you, you, you as a parent may not be in a position to to kind of let it play out. Let's say that they do blame it on a friend that climbed out the window. How about you tell them that, uh, well, let's go over there and we'll talk to your friend and we'll talk to their parents. You know, and the, the, the more you call their bluff, at some point they're going to break. <laughs> and they don't want to go over and sit in their friend's living room accusing their friend of doing something that they know their friend didn't do. You know, so hopefully they can see that as you put, as put it before them. But as far as what the punishment would be, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I grew up in a – I feel like I was grounded the majority of my childhood. And <laughs> it was – I was always out in the yard doing chores and, and things as a punishment for things that uh, that I had done. I can't even tell you a single thing that I did to warrant that. I'm, I'm sure it seemed legit at the time. I, Because of that, I don't necessarily go to that with my kids. They, they do – they lose privileges and, and – there are always repercussions for negative behavior. But I hope that by talking to them and having them understand why something is a negative behavior, the first time especially, I'm willing to let that go if I feel that they have an understanding of it and they don't want it to happen again. You know, if, if they do oh, yeah. again and it becomes yeah. an issue, then, then of course we'll discuss it at that point. Right. And, and you raise the stakes. You know, one of the things I really like about the book, and this is just to stay on this particular theme, was that you always have kind of at the end of every section what not to say, which brings <laughs> brings back a little bit of seriousness in there. And, and in this particular one, you know, you're not supposed to say, I know it was you. You broke my heart. Uh, it's I mean, that there's something very poignant about that and, and speaks right to exactly what parenting is. You know, be careful what you say to your children. Is it really you want to put that much pressure on a child by saying you broke my heart or you shattered my expectations or something like that. Exactly. And I, I will say that a lot of those what not to do in the book are things that I have done. I, it was very therapeutic writing the book and thinking about these different situations and realizing that I have so much room for improvement in my own life and looking at the things that I had done and wishing that I had handled them differently. Uh, to that, as far as saying things like that to a child, we're all human, and everybody has different levels of self-control when it comes to <laughs> saying things, and sometimes you just fly off the handle, it just hits you the wrong way, and I can remember specific instances, and my parents were very, very loving parents, uh, by no means do I want to insinuate that wasn't the case, but I can remember my parents saying things to me when I was a young child out of anger, and I know that there's no way they actually meant those things, but just being so upset in that moment and saying things to me at 8 or 10 years old that I still remember that feeling and, and that, that moment. And I'm not proud of the fact that I know that I have put my kids in that, that similar situation over the years, and I don't know now how that's going to play out. I'd like to think that... Uh, you know, with their short attention span these days, that maybe they don't—they're <laughs> not dwelling on it like I did. But but I know that I've done that. You know, it's interesting that you you point that out because you were saying that you don't remember the things that you were punished for, that you were grounded for, but you do remember the way a punishment felt, yes. which is uh, that's a really 
powerful idea as for to, for us parents to understand that that it may not be what you do; it's how your child feels when you've done it that that is leaving the longest scars or the longest lasting scars. Right, and and to that point, do you want your child to avoid whatever that behavior is that that is being discussed? Should they avoid that because it's the wrong behavior, or should they avoid it because it's going to make you upset? Granted, you could use that uh, as a learning tool, and there's plenty of leverage in that. But at the end of the day, I want them to walk around doing things because they believe it's right or wrong and not because of the repercussions they might face should I find out. Right. Talking to Whit Honey, who's the author of The Parents' Phrase Book, hundreds of easy, useful phrases, scripts, and techniques for every situation. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll keep talking to Wit. want to get into spanking and friendships and life and death. I'm Armand Brott, and you're listening to Positive Parenting. I'm in almost every school bus and classroom. I go to school with your children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. You see me around the neighborhood, and you tell me that I'm a pretty good kid. Well, I'm one out of every five children in America, and I'm struggling with hunger. This problem is closer than you think. My teacher tells me we can grow up to be whatever we want. I want to grow up to be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. There's enough food in this country to feed everybody. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide eight meals for kids like me, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we are Feeding America, brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This heavyweight bout is about to begin. The challenger wears white trunks with a blue stripe, and the champ is wearing, uh, looks like an examination gown from the doctor's office. And from the back, we can... Ooh, that's not pretty. Champ, what's with the crazy getup? I've got to take care of my family. Yeah, so? Well, when you love your family, you got to go in and get those important medical screenings. A lot of potentially deadly diseases can be treated if you catch them in time. So you wear the examination gown because... Because I'm a real man. Real men take care of their families and get those tests. Real men wear gowns. Okay, champ, good luck. Here we go. <laughs> the champ's not wasting any time. <laughs> oh. It's over. This fight is over. Champ, you barely broke a sweat. Any words for your fans out there? Remember, go to ahrq.gov for a list of the tests they need to get and when to get them. What was that web address again? ahrq.gov. And remember, real men wear gowns. Go to ahrq.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AHRQ, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. If you're just joining us, talking with Whit Honey, who's the author of The Parent's Phrase Book, hundreds of easy, useful phrases, scripts, and techniques for every situation. And since I know a lot of you are listening online, you're probably looking at Amazon online at the same time. It's Honey, H-O-N-E-A. Whit, thanks for sticking with us. Of course. Thank you. I write a lot about parenting, you know, and every time I talk about spanking, there are a lot of people who say who write in and say, oh, boy, that's exactly right. You should never spank your kids. And then there are a handful of people who write in and say basically, well, you know, when I was a kid, my, my dad or my mom or my uncle or the teachers smacked me upside the head and taught me never to do that again. And I'm, I'm always intrigued when people have a section in their book and you do in your book about spanking. What's the reaction been to that? Just the very fact that you've got a section that's called a case against spanking. People, some won't even read past that. 
You know, I, I feel that because of my online presence in the parenting field that I am approachable by uh, parents can reach me easily and I get real-time feedback on and I've written about this over several different uh, platforms and online magazines and I've always felt that 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 way and so I think I've almost become uh, numb to any sort of negative reaction I might get but I would say that generally speaking, most people tend to agree, and maybe I'm just preaching to the choir, but I, I haven't had a lot of, for lack of a better word, trolling on that particular subject. I think that most people, uh, a lot of people will say, as you said, that they were spanked when they were kids, but they don't necessarily turn that into an endorsement or carrying it on with, with a new generation. Yeah, I still remember when I was a kid in in school, probably fourth, fifth, sixth grade, when I was going to one particular elementary school, that I was I spent an awful lot of time in the principal's office, and a great deal of that time was spent with my hands over the side of the desk and this guy paddling me with a with a wooden paddle. That they still right. were doing that. And it's like that was okay. My parents weren't hitting me, but you know the school was taking care of that for for everybody. And I just I mean I still remember that and think. How is it that we allowed you know, the kind of institutional abuse to happen without, right. you know, because that it would I, I, clearly be that. Same experience. I went to public schools. You know, I'm uh, 43 years old, so it's not like it was that long ago that I was in school. And it was, but it wasn't, you know, and to think that that was the norm just uh, 25, 30, well, I guess it was a long time ago. <laughs> but the, the fact that that was a normal thing that society was okay with and it's funny, I am friends with uh, one of my principals from elementary school is a friend of mine on Facebook. And I know, and he is a very caring uh, gentleman, and, and I've really come to appreciate his friendship now as an adult. But it, it's interesting to me to think that that was a job requirement for him. And the man was an educator and somebody who cared deeply about children and education. And it's interesting to me that at some point he had to accept the fact that his job entailed speaking the children of other people <laughs> you know Which i'm sure he wouldn't what, want other people to do to his kids that happened at work what you do today oh i did this i did that and i spanked three kids yeah that's bizarre it is it really is and there was another one that i thought was a, a very poignant one but it really opens up the opportunities for for humor but also for guidance and this this happens a lot and both of us were talking before we went on the air we both have 11 year olds and they're kind of on the cusp of this sort of thing coming in and saying i wish i was good at something i'm not good at anything that just seems that you, you want to cry about that almost it's like how could you possibly i mean just look at what you're doing and look what a great kid you are but how do you deal with that, that particular kind of situation? And you're going to be dealing with it more, more and more as this, the kids get the, into the teen years. Right. And that is something that my, my 11-year-old has always been a little shyer and not a joiner as far as uh, organized activities. And he and my 6-year-old are, or 6-year-old, I'm in a time warp here. My 8-year-old are in a... Uh, there's nine day in that aspect. So, so my 11-year-old is always kind of beating himself up a little bit because he doesn't think that he's doing something as well as who I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I've never been able to get a clear 
answer at the, the comparison there. And is, is he not doing it well enough by his own standards or society or the kids on TV or somebody in his class? But he does have that all the time where he, he really feels that he isn't as good at something as he should be. And frankly, he's fantastic at most of these things. And, and if he's not, who cares? If he enjoys doing it, you don't have to be the best at something to do it as long as you enjoy it. Yeah, that's a tough lesson, though. I mean, it's because there's so much pressure out there and there's so much, it seems like, reward for accomplishments at a particular level. So it's not really how much how you feel about yourself. It's about how everybody else feels about you. I mean, as a, you know, from the perspective of a kid. That right. you know, if other people don't cheer and stand up and say you're fantastic, then how could you possibly be? I, I will say to, to counterpoint that, and I hope I don't mind a bit of a tangent here, but he was having some issues with... Uh, he was having some issues with anger. And so I decided that the way we would handle that is that we would go running. Every time that I saw this starting to happen, instead of letting him blow up, I'd say, hey, grab your shoes, let's go run. And I used to be a runner. I haven't been a runner in a very long time. And so this is something that the two of us started doing together, and all of a sudden it became something that he realized that he enjoyed and was good at. And all of a sudden, he joined the cross-country team at school. He's never joined anything. And he joined this and, and just jumped into it. And now, you know, we recognize that as a family, that that was something that he found that he want, wanted to uh, continue. And so now, as a family, we run together and we, we join organized races together. And it's become a real bonding opportunity and a very healthy uh, pastime for us. But all that came out of because he, he finally found something where he, instead of saying, I can't do this, I can't do that, he found something that said, yeah, I can do this. And so we jumped in as, uh, as a family right away. Oh, that's great. That's great. You know, there's a song that my 11-year-old listens to a lot, Echo Smith, and it's about the cool kids. And it's the, the verses are kind of like, I wish I could be like the cool kids. And you've got a section on there about the popular kids and sort of along the lines of what we're talking about. So a kid who thinks he's not good at anything, but there's also kids who are thinking that I'm not cool. And what do I do? I mean, everybody else is over there and they're having much more fun and they, you know, they don't include me and they don't invite me to their parties or, or to do homework with them or something, which is another one of these things you want to say, are you crazy? People should be paying to spend time with you. You're such a great kid. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And it's such a... It's such a weird dynamic, you know, who establishes what is cool and what is popular for the for kids at that age? You know, at, at what point do kids who grow up together and who play together, you know, first, second, third grade, by middle school, how do they wind up in these different camps? You're, you're right. I, I don't think that they quite understand how awesome they are and, until it's all said and done. You know, when you're on the outside looking back at your, your uh, school experience, then it's very apparent. But when you're living it, it's harder to recognize. And unfortunately, the, the peer pressure of, of, or the, the all, all the emotional things that happen to a child and the uh, hormones and everything that's going on, it's just, it's all working against you. And we've got just a minute or so left, but tell me one of the phrases that didn't make the cut, didn't make it into the book. You know, uh, I had a whole section in there about dealing with pets and there's, it's alluded to somewhat in the passing of pets, but for whatever reason, that didn't make it in there. And it's funny because it wasn't a specific phrase per se, but uh, just ways of helping kids uh, with responsibility and, and taking care of 
uh, another living thing and what to do. The part that did make it in there was what to do in the passing of a pet. But I, I thought it was an interesting omission by uh, my editor and the publisher, and they had their reasons, obviously. But that's something that people ask me about because, as you said, it says that there's hundreds of easy, useful phrases and scripts and techniques for every situation. Obviously, you have the book. It's not thick enough to have every situation in there. <laughs> and that is one. People who do read me online and know what an animal lover I am, they're always asking me why that isn't in there. And I'm just telling them, you know, it's, it'll be in the sequel. Yeah, it's got to be. Volume 2, of course, when you said every situation in the first one, what do you say for the second one, for, the, for all the other ones that have come up since then? Exactly. Just every situation at this time. Whit Honey's the author of The Parents Phrase Book, hundreds of easy, useful phrases, scripts, and techniques for every situation. And we're just going to call this one Volume 1. Whit, thanks very much for being with us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. It kind of freaks me out that some people actually go through their trash to pull out recyclables. That's not for me. Maria Inez Phillips talks about not recycling. I've got too many newspapers and magazines and catalogs in there with plastic containers and bottles and cans. In your recycling bin? No, in my trash. Your trash can is full of recyclables? No, it's full of trash. You say trash, Maria. I say rubbish. Whatever it is, I'm not going through it. I don't even know what they do with recyclables. They make more of the things you use, Maria. More newspapers, more bottles and cans. Out of a bunch of trash? I just don't get it. Some things are very obvious, Maria. Recycling creates jobs and protects the environment. Is that important to you? It is, which is why I put my trash where it belongs. Learn the difference between trash and recycling and more on our website, yougottobekidding.org. I put out way too much trash to think about recycling. See why recycling is not rubbish. Visit yougottobekidding.org today. Hi, welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brunt, and it's time for another Parents at Play segment. As many of you know, I've got an 11-year-old, and I can tell you that the older she gets, the harder it is to find games and toys and activities that we can do together. So this week, I wanted to focus on toys and games that you might be able to do with a tween or a pre-tween. Let's start off with Bounce Off from Mattel. So you have to envision the playing board, which is a 6 by 6 grid. You and your opponent bounce colored ping pong balls into that grid, and what you're trying to do is match the design on one of the challenge cards. It's really one of these things that's simple but not easy. It's probably going to remind you a little bit of one of those carnival games, you know, the kind at the county fair where you spend about 50 bucks trying to bounce a ping pong ball into the mouth of a bottle so that you can win a giant panda or something like that that you don't really want. But Bounce Off is a lot cheaper, and it's a lot more fun. Now, there are two different levels of cards. There's the easier ones that maybe have two or three balls in a row, and that could be like an L shape or a, a plus shape. Or there are harder ones, which are, are a lot more difficult to do. They may require six balls, in a, not in a row, but six balls in some various configuration, and they're pretty hard to do. So you'll be able to play it with kids of varying levels of coordination and interest. Bounce Off is for two to four players aged five and up, but I think it's really going to be more interesting for the tweens. Costs about 18 bucks at places like Target, or you can look at Mattel.com. Next up, we've got Girl Mazing from Jada Toys. Girl Mazing is a line of remote control cars that's aimed at girls. You can get a Chevy Camaro, a Ford Mustang, a Lamborghini Murcielago, and a Jeep. All of them are 1 16th scale and customizable. Each one comes with a lot of different colored stickers. And speaking of colors, they're pink. I, I really don't understand why so many products for girls have to be pink. 
As the dad of three daughters, I can assure you that girls are interested in other colors as well. But pink or not, the Girl Amazing models are a great way for parents, especially dads, to connect with their daughters. The Jeep is $24.95. All the rest of them are $19.99. And you can get them at your favorite retailer or at jadatoys.com. And finally, we've got the Graphic Skins Design Studio from Rose Art. And Skins has a Z at the end. This is a really unique, fun toy that tweens and teens are going to want to use over and over again. The concept is kind of similar to those rub-on tattoos, but it's a lot cooler. It starts with a battery-operated suction chamber. Then you grab just about any object that will fit into the chamber. You pick one of the full-color skins. You wrap it up in a wet sponge, which comes with it. Then when you fire up the suction chamber, it sucks all of the air and the water out of everything, and it basically plasters on the skin right onto whatever object you're doing. The chamber itself costs about $30, and the kits are about $12 to $20, depending on how big they are. Each one of the kits includes a snap-apart and snap-together model. That allows you to do a different design on each part, which is very, very cool. i got to say, though, it does take an awful lot of time. However, I think your tween and early teen is going to stick with it because it is so engaging and so fun. You can get some more details about these and many, many other toys and games we reviewed at parentsatplay.com. We'll have another segment for you next week. Until then, I'm Armin Brott. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at MrDad.com. While you're there, visit the MrDad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the MrDad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.